I'm, I'm a very big proponent of remote work. And also, I think a lot of people have to learn the difference between working remote, working from home, uh, digital nomad, and like they're all connected, but they're all different things. Like working from home is, yeah, I work from home, but is this remote? What's up, you guys? My name is Mick Karshovsky, and welcome to episode 79 of That Remote Life Podcast, where we hear from location-independent entrepreneurs and professionals so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Today on the podcast, joined by remote work fan and Bulgarian Rado Stankov, who is currently the head of engineering for Product Hunt. If you've never heard of Product Hunt, it is one of the most popular websites for product-loving enthusiasts to share and geek out about the latest mobile apps, websites, hardware projects, and tech creations. It is backed by legendary investors like Google Ventures and Dreesen Horowitz and Y Combinator and has a huge following of loyal fans and readers. And in this episode, you will learn how Rado went started working remotely all the way back in 2006 when he was just a teenager and how he eventually ended up getting his job at Product Hunt. We also discussed what working remotely from Bulgaria is like and why it is still one of the world's best kept secrets for top talent. And since Rado and I are both product nerds, we chatted about his favorite apps launched on Product Hunt, and he shared the top tips you should know before launching your product on the site. Now, before we jump into the episode, I do want to share a new podcast review we received, and this one is from Chief Chatter, who says, Just listened to episode 10 with the founder of Made This, and it gave me motivation to know that even if my startup is currently very location-dependent, there are entrepreneurs out there who have figured out how to transition businesses like mine to remote companies. Thanks, Miko, for always bringing on interesting guests that cover a wide variety of experiences. This was just the boost I needed today. Now, if you are enjoying the podcast, I would love to hear your feedback as well. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And who knows, you may get a shout out on the next episode of That Remote Life as well, just like Chief Chatter did. All right, you guys, without further ado, let's dive into this awesome conversation with Rado Stankov. All right. Well, Rado, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to be here, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so before we hit record, we were chatting about uh, you live in Bulgaria and you're the head of engineering for uh, Product Hunt, which is so cool. I love Product Hunt. It's one of those websites that I just end up spending way too many hours on just like browsing. But I'm curious, you said that you work out of a co-working space, which is also another one of my passions. What co-working space are you working out of in Sofia? What is your favorite one? Uh, so I work from uh, the puzzle co-working space. Like I'm basically one of the first people being there. Like my user ID in their system is, uh, I think five. Like I'm <laughs> one of the very like that's the number on like my lock card. I'm very. Which co-working early. space is this? The puzzle one. It's. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, I think it's one of the biggest in Sofia, definitely. 
uh, I know that the, like the founder is a good friend of mine and yeah, I, I really like it there. Like I have the same desk and I don't want to move there. Yeah. What is uh, like in your opinion, like what makes a co-working space a good co-working space? Oh, it's, I don't know. Like uh, for me, what I really like is I like it to be quiet, to be honest. Like it's somewhere where I can work, I can basically do deep work without being, uh, without a much of noise. I like it to be spacious. Like I really like that puzzle is like at least the area where I am, it's very spacious and very, there is a lot of sun in my part, but it's not on my monitor. So I can actually work pretty much if it's sunny, if it's not. Uh, I also like the vibe of the place. Like I think the most important place for co-working is basically it's hard to define, but it's the, the vibe of the place, the people who are there. Because uh, um, I mean, right now since uh, the COVID, we I don't go that often there. But before mm -hmm. it was okay. I just see the energy of the people. Like you see people just working, and you know, like you know most of those people, and you know that they are not. They're working on their own stuff. Like there is a lot of people who work on their own stuff. And this gives you like a really great energy of the place. And I really like that kind of energy. Yeah, I think, uh, you know how people say that friends are the family you choose? I think co-working allows you to like have the co-workers you choose instead of just the people that are hired. So you can find the co-working space that has the people that you enjoy being around. Uh, and then you can hang out with and people that you like, you know? Yeah, exactly. And the, the other thing is uh, there is always somebody you can ask for help or ask to be referred to somebody. Mm -hmm. And if, for example, if you're in an office, you have the knowledge of the company and depends how big is the whole company. But like a lot of companies are like profiled in a certain ways, but in a co-working, you got this constant traveling of people and sharing of knowledge. Also, the other thing I like around Puzzle is their event space. Since I'm organizing a lot of events, I really like that I actually have like a lecture room with all the needed stuff. And it's for me, it's just, okay, I just need to schedule it because there are quite a bit of events there. And especially the other nice thing in, the, in Puzzle particularly, it's like a community hub. Like it was like, I mean, it will become again when we can do events so in person mm -hmm. again. But having this uh, sense of like, okay, there is a lot of events and there is almost every night, if I just want to learn something, I just go to the calendar and see, oh, today there is somebody talking about X, Y, and Z. Like there was a meeting for accountants talking about GDPR stuff once, which was fun uh, in a weird way, but it was fun. <laughs> yeah, I think I, it's been a long time since I've been in Sofia and had the like opportunity to visit co-working spaces. Um, and actually like puzzle, I think started like growing since the last time I was there. The one that I've always worked at when I was in Sofia was beta house. Yeah. Uh, cause it's central. I usually stay in the city. I think puzzles a little bit outside the city, right? Like it's a little bit on the outskirts. Uh, I mean, to be honest, it like when it started, it was on the outskirts. Now it's near the center because mm. the city grows so much. 
like um, is, like basically it's a once it's like three subway stations away from the heart of the sofia and uh the other one is like two <laughs> so uh, yeah. yeah i know better houses i think the first one in, in sofia they actually moved the original place a couple of uh, months ago like last year i think Mm-hmm. They are now even more in the center. They are next to the 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 Sofia University, and are yeah, because really? yeah, I so I was in I was there this summer and I went to work at the old location and I showed up and I was like, uh, yeah, they where moved. did it go? You know, like I was very yeah. confused. Yeah, their new place is actually really awesome. Like, uh, it's not my perfect kind of like uh, open space type of place. I would want mm-hmm. to, but. Really, like it's. Uh, I, I really understand why a lot of people use that and really like. Mm-hmm. So, like we said in the very beginning, you're the head of engineering for Product Hunt, and you said that you, when we were chatting before we hit record, you said that you started working remotely in 2006. How did you? I mean, 2006 is a long time ago. Like it's before a lot of the things that we take for granted now as technology that make it possible. How did you get started working remotely uh, in 06? Yeah, I mean, I'm that old <laughs> in technology <laughs> nowadays. Uh, yeah, so uh, in 2000, so uh, my career actually, I started quite young. Uh, when I was 15, I, I joined like a web agency making like websites in 2002. And I was like 15, I was at school and I have to leave and I have to go to university. And I did not want to change jobs because for that time I worked in the same company. Like I stayed in this company from 2002 to 2009, like it's seven, eight years there because this was the first place I worked. So basically my remote work was, okay, I'm at university. I was uh, studying in Varna uh, in the technical university there. Good city. Yeah. And I'm originally from Dobridge. So it's like 40 minutes, like... With my driving is 40 minutes. Some people can take it for 25 minutes. Depends how you drive. <laughs> my driving is like 40 minutes. But uh, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't have a car there. So I basically work remotely. Like this is how my remote work started. When I was in university in 2006, I, since I was already kind of the head of programming there because I was like the, the only programmer. <laughs> Uh, like uh, the company grew up at some point a bit more, but I, I spent that. So this was the time I learned to do remote work. Also, technically, I, uh, even the times when I was at school, a lot of my work was at home because I was like minor and didn't go to the office that much because I have to go to school. So when I go to university, I just transferred this. Okay, I would just do like a, my full-time job at this point and... People trust me. I had a lot more other responsibilities. And basically, this, this is how it started. Uh, what were some of the, like, big lessons that you feel like you needed to learn to become, like, successful at working remotely? Because I do think it's a muscle. It's not something that, like, the same way that if I were to go into an office and I'd have to, like, learn to work from an office as much as I don't want to, I think people need to learn to work remotely. What do you think are some of those things that you, you had to learn in the beginning? To be honest, it was so far along that I actually don't remember. Like for me, uh, I, what I learned was I always like one of my the things I was 
trying to build in myself was that I want to be reliable. Like when I tell you I would work and I mean, this would be done around this time, you know that it's going to happen. Or if I have a problem, I'm going to escalate it in some way. Uh, and I think this was very important for me when I started working remotely, having this muscle to, because it was weird for my, for the company because I was the only remote person and I was very important there. And in 2006, I didn't have a smartphone. Like uh, you, ha we have phone calls. Like iPhone is uh, 2007 or 2006, something around that mm -hmm. area. So it was still like a fair, like it didn't exist back then. And the way we communicated, yeah, we were using chats, I think Skype back then. But I'm at university, I'm having a student life, like I had a very active uh, social life as well. And I have to be trustworthy, like for my company that they know, okay, Radu is not here during the working day because he has to go to lectures, but we know that in the evening he's going to do his job and we can, he can be very reliable on mm -hmm. that side. And this is a very important thing. And I think the second is uh, basically communicating that. Uh, it's not like uh, basically communicating, okay, guys, I'm online. What's, what's the status here? What's the situation? What about the projects? And I think those were like the two biggest qualities which I had back then. And I mean, the other was I was very young and I didn't need to sleep that much. <laughs> but yeah, that, that was a lot of the, the biggest thing. Just communication and being reliable on the subject that when you have a time commitment, you either like do it on time or if the second you understand you, you cannot do it, you ask for help, try to, to change it, adjust the requirements, like basically work around that because the worst thing that can happen is people get used to you being unreliable, like, oh mm -hmm. yeah, rather he's partying again. We don't want to bother him. And it's like, okay. And that might not be true or it might be, but if they know, okay, he said he can do this. Okay. I trust him. I do it. That's fine. And we trust it. Oh, oh, Rado has this problem. Okay. Let's think of some solution there. Uh, yeah. I think the right amount of communication, I tell this to the team that I work with is like the right amount of communication when working remotely is over communication. Like if, you know, you thought like a level five of communication was okay when you're working in an office, you need to be at like a level like nine, you know, like you need to over communicate like, over, like, and that we, one of the things that we encourage is like leaving, like, you don't need to like have a conversation, but leave comments of like, just did this, you know, just kind of like keep, keep like a running uh, list of like, you know, things that are going on and like, what are you completing and that kind of stuff. Since you mentioned that you're, that you studied in Varna and you were working there, I'm a huge Varna fan, obviously being born there. And I, I think it's a great place for digital nomads in the, in the summer, in the summer. Let me just put that out there. What do you think about it as a, as a city that could be like, do you think it's a place where remote workers should go to more and like digital nomads? Uh, yeah. I mean, I really like Varna. Like I, I, I stayed there. I was, I was one of the first members of the Varna hacking space, Varna lab, like basically we didn't have that uh, at some point, uh, like in, I think in 2011 or 12, I organized the first 
one of the first technical conferences, Varna Conf there, because I was mm -hmm. back and I moved to Sofia and I just wanted to come back to Varna for the summer and to organize this event. So I think there is a lot of in Varna you, you can do having remote. Uh, also, I think for digital nomads, it will be amazing if they can join the community because the last couple of years, there is like kind of trying to have like a new community because a lot of the old community members like have kids <laughs> basically <laughs> or like are traveling a lot in other places and it's a, it's a, I think it's a great place. Uh, I, I I actually want to visit it more, but I don't have the I just don't don't have the time in the recent years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one of the big you know for since I've been going back there, I've been working remotely since 2017 full time, and every summer I spend the summers in Varna because I think that it's just a good place to be. And even since I started doing that, it has improved a lot just with the co working space there that's popped up, Innovator. Um, I think the guys that do that run that have done a phenomenal job with what resources they have. Um, and I think there is a community forming and people are discovering Eastern Europe and, and are looking for beach towns to spend the summers on. And I think, I think Varna is the right size. Also the internet has always been great in Varna. That's, yeah. that's one thing that always surprises people when they come to Bulgaria. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's something I, we take a lot for granted. But I remember like uh, when I was working on a startup and, I, and we had an office in London and I was in, living in Varna and I traveled to London and we have very fancy office because we're a fashion company and we have this really expensive and crappy internet, like crappy <laughs> internet. And I remember this case, I was coming back from uh, UK, from London, getting on the bus to Varna, like getting on the bus and the bus had uh, internet, like Wi-Fi internet, which was better than the most expensive internet we got in London. And this was like mind blowing when yeah. you realize that because we basically are used to having that. Yeah, and it's, it's crazy. Like when we went, to, we went to Bali a few years ago and I was like, okay, this is like a big digital nomad hub. You know, there's gonna be, I just assumed the Wi-Fi is gonna be great. And I was like, this is the shittiest Wi-Fi. I had like legitimate problems like working if I wasn't like a co-working space. Like, it, like coffee shop? No. Like the one in our like villa? No. Just, you know, awful. And I'm like, I can get, I'm going to go down to like, you know, like the Euro, the like gyro like stand. And I'm going to have like 50 up and 50 down in Varna, you know, just like for free. It's nuts. So yeah. I want to chat a little bit about product hunt how did you end up like how did you find that job for so many people i feel like that would be like a dream job working for a company like product hunt how did you end up uh were you a fan of product hunt for at first or did you end up hearing about it only when you kind of like started working for them so again a bit of backstory so right now in product hunt i started like 2014 very early mm -hmm. on like i'm now there for six years like, um, I think from the original team, it's uh, basically ra like we still have people from the original team. I think now I only Ryan, who is the founder, is being more in the company than me. So the way I started for this company was, so back then I was contracting in Germany. And uh, the, this fashion startup, which I worked in London, one of the founders, Andreas Klinger, he's very, you must most probably heard of him, he's very remote. Uh, mm -hmm. I learned a lot from him. 
And so he was becoming the CTO of Product Hunt. Uh, like, uh, and he was, and they just got the funding and he was trying to get the best team he can make. So he naturally like pinged me and he offered me the job. And the funny thing is I actually heard a podcast of Ryan because I'm a very big podcast fan. And I heard Ryan Hoover on Giant Robots podcast being interviewed. And that, that sounds, that site sounded very interesting because I'm very into like, indie makers, products, and I thought this site would be very interesting. And this kind of connected in the same month. So Andreas contacted me and wanted me on board. And what our arrangement originally was, and that's the funny thing, uh, is uh, you just stay here for like maybe a year, like six, seven, eight months, just set up the core team, just make the whole thing just work because I need somebody to make the systems, the architectures, just to make it very stable so we can build and grow on top of it. And after that, I, I imagine you get bored and you, and that would be fine, but this would be worth your while. Like it, it would be a amazing opportunity. And I, Andreas is a good friend. I had like a chat with Ryan. I had, this was like one of my funniest job interview because on the five, on the 10 minutes into the interview, we are like, uh, comparing podcasts you were listening. So uh, yeah, that's the, the way I started. Originally, this should have been less than a year gig for me to just fix some of the issues they are having with technology. And uh, seven, uh, six years later, it's, I'm still here. What are some of like the coolest products or things that you've seen get launched on Product Hunt? Oh man, that's uh, that that's uh, that's actually a really weird. Qu- uh, not, I mean, that's not weird. It's very uh, often. It's okay, I won't take it personally. Don't worry about it. Yeah, uh, it's uh, <laughs> because so much. I have seen so much stuff, and actually, I'm using a lot of stuff launched on Product Hunt. Like, uh, for example, I think my note-taking app, one of my favorite apps, Bear Notes, mm. was I, I first saw it on on a launch on Product Hunt. And a lot of the, 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 I mean, this is the most impactful, most probably. I, I, the email client Spark I'm using, I have seen it there. I, I, I'm not sure if this other app I'm using a lot is uh, from Polohand. My One of other app I use is also, like for me, I'm very big into productivity. So for mm-hmm. me, those are like the coolest launches which I have seen launch on pro like on my personal level, I have seen a lot of other great stuff, which is um, like, for example, this Meerkat project, which become party house was one of our very early ones. Uh, it was funny. The superhuman, the email client was also launched on product and it actually launched on a, on one of our first subscription businesses, uh, the product and ship. This was a product I worked on. And they were one of the first upcoming pages. Uh, I'm also a big fan of the Atom Shoes. Actually, one of my ex-colleagues from Produkant works there. Really great guy. And unfortunately, I couldn't get those shoes because they didn't deliver in Europe. And I couldn't get them when I was in the US. So we'll see. But I'm a big fan of Atoms as well. So yeah, a lot of stuff around that. Like I can maybe talk for hours uh, just remembering all of that. Have you, have you heard of, because uh, you mentioned Bear. So I was in the market for a new note-taking app recently. 
Um, and I was comparing a whole bunch of them. And I stumbled across this one because I can nerd out on this shit all day too. Have you heard of Rome Research? Yeah, I, have to, I actually got access to the beta. I, I, I play with it. Uh, it's nice, but I really like Bear as a user experience. It's a, mm. amazing. Like, I have it on all my devices. I have like one gigabyte of nodes in this in there, <laughs> like that. You're I not have, going anywhere, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and 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 the thing about it is, I already bear for me has all the Rome features I care about. Like I I have like very deep tagging system. Like there, mm. I think has the best organization of nodes because it mm. supports multiple nested tags. Like for example. I used to keep in bear, like a lot of my minor tools I built for myself are basically things I have in bear. But for example, I used all my meetings notes, keeping, I, I'm keeping them in bear. So I just have like meetings and I have it tagged with companies. With bear notes, you can link other documents in the, the bear app. So I use bear a lot. Like Rome has a really, I really like the outlining mode. Like most of my notes are just outline, 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 outline. But the user experience of that is amazing. Like, it's basically my second brain. Like, um, for example, a lot of I, I, I got a, I, last year I got a car. I'm not a car person, but it was just like a good deal. And a lot of people ask me, how much horsepower is your car? What's the, uh, like, what stuff? And I just open a bear and I just read from the notes there because I don't, rem I don't want to, like, I'm, um, I'm not very into getting things done, but I like the quotes that our head is for making ideas, not for storing them. And like for me, yeah, it's I like, like I have well. a lot of like shortcuts. Like I have a very great, like one of my best integrations is I use the Alfred uh, tool, uh, the lunch bar, and it has like a great bear plugin. So if I just have a thought, I can just search my whole bear database and mm. get it on like i have a whole database of how to's like uh sometimes the mac camera doesn't work and i have there is like couple of commands you have to run so i actually have it in bear and i, I just search mac don't work <laughs> yeah i uh the thing that i started liking that i like about rome is that it's the first app that i've at least found where i can like really search for something and actually get like I feel like the, like the, I don't know, like the Apple note taking app, like when I search for it doesn't really, cause I'm not very good at tagging. So I need like that deep yeah. search to see where all the like mentioned stuff are. Yeah. Um, what about, I'm curious, you know, nowadays if you're launching a software or any kind of product, having it on product hunt is almost like one of the to do's that you need to do, you know, in order to like do a, have a good launch. What are some of the tips that you'd have for people who are hoping to like launch a software or anything on product hunt? Like what are some of the things that they should be doing in order to give them a better chance of having a successful launch? Yeah. So uh, we get this question a lot and we actually have amazing support team and they've written very extensive docs about how you should prepare your lunch. Like you should have all the images, what kind of, you should have a video, you should have like all the, all like I call them mechanics, you have mm -hmm. to go through. And it's good for you to just read those because mm -hmm. you forget stuff. And uh, the, the, the other thing you should do uh, when you have like a product hunt lunch is um, basically not just 
appear one day and lunch, but register, participate in discussions, like comment on stuff, and just feel the vibe of the community and the things they like to hear. And, and this is not something we can put on the dock, just use those magic words and it will happen. You just have to find your own voice and you should like basically check the comments, see what people are asking. Maybe you address this in the message. Uh, you should prepare like a comment which opens discussions and depending what your product is, you can see, okay, what questions actually make a discussions because you, uh, the, the best way for you to, to, to get more value from Product Hunt is actually to engage with the community, not just having a lot of votes. Uh, again, uh, one on the technical side, uh, recently we launched badges. So you can, on your website, you can bench like a vote counter. And mm. if you are successful the first one or two days, you actually get like some more cool badges. So you put this on your website so you can join the discussions because the idea for you is you want to have participation with discussions because most probably the people who discuss with you, they are not, they're, they're, you, are, uh, you are targeting quality discussion. Like this should be the key and mm -hmm. not to be like, okay, I just need more votes because again, this doesn't move, uh, like uh, doesn't give you the value. Like you can have a million votes, but if you don't get the users, if you don't get, especially with depending on which stage you are, like for example, if you are on a very early stage, uh, I even suggest you to check out product and ship. Like we have this uh, product because we get like, what should they do before I learn from product and, and this is where superhuman one, one of our first beta tester and atoms as well. So we have this product, called Product Hunt Ship, where you can create like a landing page, where you can basically collect newsletters, basically all the, all the good things you have to do for lunches. Mm -hmm. We have kind of put a lot of thought there because the lunch is not like an event, it's a process. And you, are, you should be lunching like every, like your internal, you should lunch every couple of weeks. Externally, for big lunches, you have to do them every six, seven, eight months, but you should prepare and build the audience for your product because just saying, yeah, guys, I created something that's great and then doesn't work. Like you should, like when you do product development, you should first like cultivate like a community. You should create like a private beta alpha. Like right now we are working on something called your stack which I really, I have very big hope for this product, but right now we are actually invite, like there is a wait list for the product. We don't want to sponge it with too much traffic. It's not like we posted very early on on Product Hunt, but we are not announcing the big things on Product Hunt just because at this point we want to make sure this product is really good before jumping on Product Hunt. We want to gather all the, all the knowledge, basically have like, we had an upcoming page first, and we pass to hold this flow because lynching is a process. It's not an event. Mm. Yeah. I, um, I was speaking with someone um, recently and they told me that when like they weren't big product hunt users, but somebody told them to like, Hey, you need to put your, your product up on product hunt. And whoever it was told them that it's better to have somebody else put it on who is like a popular user of the app. And I'm guessing that might have something to do with what you were talking about, right? Like if I don't use Product Hunt, I just jump on and I like, hey guys, like check this out. It doesn't really look yeah. good. 
yeah actually that's one like uh this is uh there is one big misconception about product hunt algorithms and a lot of that is that uh and we are trying to debunk this but i mean nobody <laughs> is that it doesn't matter if you are posting or i'm posting with i'm admin or one of our most popular users we mm -hmm. get like uh the only difference is like we don't rank those differently we don't do a lot of around that mm. but the only benefit you get when somebody who is very experienced posts is because they are creating the first comment and they know mm. how to frame to help you shape the whole lunch and frame it in terms which product hunt works basically knowing the lingo of the community and kind of like reddit people talk about that with reddit you know exactly yeah exactly i mean it's kind of the same it's community work you have mm -hmm. to know, and it's not something qualifiable it's not like i can give you a checklist because i don't know it i mean i know it but they cannot express it <laughs> or just expressing it till you remove the magic like oh yeah use uh use uh on every second sentence use this emoji this emoji people don't right, like this right, right. like, it's not something and, and this changes like the thing about it is community is people like that's the important thing and people change people change and i mean they're changing a lot of times just slowly so you actually don't see the change but if i because i was discussing this with ryan recently reading comments from initially from a very years ago and comments now they're like totally different like the vibe is different like it's still the same good positive vibe but it have evolved but you when you are in this process you don't feel it so that's the value of my advice is usually okay join product hunt participate for like maybe a month just visit a couple of days comment but not just like comment just because you want to comment but the idea is engage with people just show you as somebody quality because when you lunch most people want to support you to say oh ah this person give me, give me this very good insight or give me this very great comment on my blog post that's amazing let's help him out uh the, it's basically human interaction which mm -hmm. for technical like this is a one big learning for me as an engineer who is a very <laughs> technical engineer that was a very good learning for me the last couple of years you mentioned uh you mentioned ryan and that's ryan hoover he's the founder of product hunt uh, i feel like he's got a little bit of that like uh startup aura as well like you know he's got a little bit of that what are some of the lessons that you've learned working with kind of like product hunt about like entrepreneurship like are there any like lessons that really stand out you know in, in all your work with them yeah how much time do you have <laughs> that, 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 like we try and like uh we try and learn a lot like ryan is who i think one of the best product people i have seen i have worked with i mean i don't know if mm -hmm. i have seen i mean i have seen steve jobs on video once so uh but yeah ryan is the best product person i have ever worked him and he's really good at knowing how a community works he's has this instinct about building communities and what's good for the community and and building positive communities which in our case is uh, like we see on twitter facebook it's uh, quite hard and with him i learn a lot around that product community also i learn a, a lot around Pro, like especially product development launching like a lot of things which years ago i would approach them as an engineer in a very different way 
out space. Yeah, this has to be engineering perfect. This has to be like this. This is and right now I'm even I'm pushing for okay, let's test this, let's de-risk it first. Because a lot of people think about entrepreneurship that, oh, you're taking risks and you're totally basically gambling. And a lot of the work around product is actually de-risking. You are basically de-risking your bets. Like right now, we are doing a very interesting experiment, which I cannot talk about yet. But if this work, like if I have to build it as an engineer, this is like two years of work, basically two years. Mm -hmm. But are we ready to bet two years? No. So we basically take, okay, we have six weeks to figure out this is the risk about this product. This is the learnings. Let's build something. Let's test it. There is a plan. Let's see how it goes. And a lot of times we have done stuff like that. Like, for example, we had a very big discussion about adding more logging methods in product. Let me be concrete here. And there is a big problem with, like, if if you have username, passwords, and a lot around that. But we were seeing that a lot of people drop out in certain steps. So we were like, okay, let's do an experiment. Let's actually add a button which just gives you all the other logging methods. And when you click, we just because uh, we log you we know who you are like you enter the email and we just see how many people go through that and it doesn't do anything engineering quite it's like two days of, like just make sure we have all the correct measures there and all of that run for a week see oh wow so many people just enter emails okay now we have to spend like a couple of months like basically building a secure login system but then we notice all oh, all the emails are gmails Let's use login with the Gmail wallout situation. Mm. And me as an engineer, I would usually was jumping to the hard technical solutions first. And your now, problem solver. Yeah, exactly. And right now, again, I'm still doing all that stuff in the back end, in the background. Like, okay, there is things which will never change. Like nobody wants their service to be slow, to be crashable, mm-hmm. unsecure, uh, Unconsistent UI, uncons- uh, unworkable. The engineering team doesn't uh, have to develop slow. So, okay, those are like problems which we know that we are having. So, I will put that on the engineering side. But one thing I learned in Product Hunt is to design features that basically we build something. If it doesn't work, you remove it with no effort. Basically, mm-hmm. you remove a folder, no feature. And designing a system like that makes it very good, uh, like very good design for, for the problem domain we are having. And this is something I learned here and I'm still learning because basically right now my job, I, the way I see it is I have to make the stuff to work. And this is uh, not only the, on the technology side, but also now on the people side. <laughs> yeah. I think that's really interesting what you said about, you know, entrepreneurship being risky because I think from the outside, looking at it, a lot of entrepreneurs seem like these big risk takers, but a lot of the people that I've met that are really successful are actually very risk averse. They just look at the problem in a different way and, are, and kind of think like, what is the real risk here? And then like, I, think, I think that's one of the big misconceptions that people have that are not entrepreneurs with people who are wildly successful. You know, They look at people like, you know, just to use a crazy example, like Elon Musk, you know, who is like, everybody's like, oh, he's so risky. And he's like, no, he's just analyzing the problem and seeing that what risk does exist there is actually not like a real or like a big risk that would affect them. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's what I learned with Ryan. It's mm-hmm. those people d- d- reduce risk. Like they say, okay, we know there is risk, how to know that basically they risk it. And also I'm changing my mind when I see that this risk doesn't come. Like you want, you know that you want to come here, but you don't know the road, but you are just moving in the right direction. Like mm-hmm. I, I had this metaphor I used it last year, I used it a lot, was like entrepreneurship is like, imagine you standing like on the shores and there is like this big river and you want to go to the other side and there is a lot of ice. And you are, an entrepreneur is somebody who jumps from an ice pit to ice, mm-hmm. to ice block, to ice block, to ice block. And for every situation, they know the direction they want to go, but they're assessing, is this going to hold me? Is this not going to hold me? And jumping. And mm-hmm. they, they cannot tell you where is the exact place I'm going to go on the other shore. I just want to cross it. And right. of course, you slip on, uh, on, on that on the ice and you die. But that's uh, the metaphor I use for entrepreneurship. It's you're jumping to ice and you try to get, okay, mm-hmm. I, see this, I see this place is the best ice place. And sometimes, again, you go to a situation when you cannot and you have to move back, you have to do something else, but you want to cross and you don't know exactly where. Yeah, I think Steve Jobs had a, a very similar kind of, I think it was a, like a commencement speech at Stanford or something like that where he talked about connecting the dots and like an entrepreneur is somebody who kind of like connects them. And he had the really great one where, you know, he took this like calligraphy class in college and he was like, this is a pretty famous like story, but he had this calligraphy class in college that totally seemed like a waste of time when he was doing it. But then later on when they released Mac and Mac was the first computer that had like fonts all of a sudden the dots connected so you know an entrepreneur is somebody who kind of like you know even though it may be over here as long as you're heading in the right direction they'll kind of connect in their own path so i wanna I'm, i'm curious about what you think you know there's a lot of people obviously uh outsourcing is a really big topic in the location dependent entrepreneurship space people love to hire people from other parts of the world and kind of have this global distributed team uh obviously india and the philippines are very common places where people hire you know talent from what do you think about should people be hiring more people from bulgaria is there a lot of talent in bulgaria that you feel like is still untapped or undiscovered uh, oh yeah like Produkant, I, I, just for the context, we are remote. Like we, like, we have an office which nobody goes there because there's nobody in San Francisco anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, uh, I think people should hire the people around the world. This gives you a lot of perspective. And uh, what I have seen, and I'm very surprised, like Bulgarians who actually work remotely, I, I had a lot of good feelings. Like a lot of times when I go to an event or like talk with people say, oh yeah, I work with this one Bulgarian. He was amazing or she was amazing. I, I, I use this, like there is a lot of untapped potential here. And uh, because we are not just like, okay, cheap labor, because I don't actually, but we are a lot of extra value. Like we have a lot of things where we, we are really good. Like there is, and we are getting a lot better. Like there is places I think we should, develop more as a, just because we are very early on on the product side but for example on the execution side we are like i think really good and we have a lot of uh a very good community here like a lot do a lot of community here a lot in bulgaria and there is a lot of young people coming and i'm like very excited to work with a lot of them 
So yeah, I think, and also the since we are part of the EU, it's very easy to actually account for us. Like this is something that shouldn't be forgot because like one of the, my biggest problem where because we have people all over the world is basically accounting. Like mm-hmm. uh, that's 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 I think the worst because I mean I don't I'm not an accountant, uh, but I know how much work and how much it's like okay let's our accountant talk with their accountant how this passes how they're like that's mm-hmm. all the mess and in Bulgaria we actually are not that bad it's in Bulgaria it's quite easy to get a contract running. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like you said that's the really important thing is that. Bulgarian talent is not the Philippines and it shouldn't be right. Like you're not going to be hiring somebody for $5 an hour to do something like, you know, whatever, but there's still very good value talent. That's really, really smart and tends to speak really good English as well. Um, So that's why, I mean, I, I push it all the time. And like, when you see, like, for example, there's so many companies that I didn't know that work out of Bulgaria, like SiteGround. I had no idea they were based in Bulgaria and they're like a yeah. huge player in the hosting space. Yeah, I mean, they are created from Bulgarians. Like I, I know, mm-hmm. I mean, I know them. <laughs> they are, they sponsor a lot of my events. One of their CTO, like I think head of engineering for CTO, lead architect is mm-hmm. from my hometown, Dobridge, good friend of mine. Like, yeah, I mean, we have a lot of amazing and over the time we actually have, like we were a very, outsource destination and this created a lot of skills in the com- in, in the mm-hmm. country like because every time you invest with people working remotely and that's the reason i like investing in remote work is you are not only just giving them money but you are giving them opportunity to grow and develop like in product hunt one of my personal i mean it's one of the saddest thing but also one of the most happiest most people who leave product hunt as a company become founders like we have we basically try to make like a company where we have this entrepreneurial culture because we are very small we have this one uh, single player mode rule but we try to make entrepreneurs of our team and a lot of people who leave the company actually start their own companies and we are very proud of that like it's sad because you are leaving somebody good but you know okay we actually helped like we created some like if somebody like uh, like in, from the Bulgarian team, I, I live, but I create a great startup from Bulgaria. That would be, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. What about, you know, kind of in wrapping up, where do you see this? You know, you've been working remotely since 2006. You've seen a lot of the trends kind of come and go. You know, that's pre four hour work week, which was the Bible for a lot of people to kind of, you know, go off and do what we do. Where do you see like the next 10, 20 years of remote work going? Oh, I mean, I think I kind of saw it the last three, three, three months. <laughs> yeah, it uh, feels like the next 10 years. I think a lot of the work, a lot of the situations would going to shift from, uh, because, I mean, because for me, it, it didn't sound like novelty, but a lot of places, they, they check you how much time you spent on tasks. And at what your output uh, output is, they they basically get see your input, and this is like okay, I don't care. Like I really, honestly, I don't care if one of my teammates takes an hour to do a task and then leaves the day off and do surfing, or if he spends like two days on that task. Like I, I care for the task itself. Like again, I, also the healthy. I think this uh, the remote work would fit very well with this uh, new new trend of. And I'm one of my favorite trends in the world, more healthy living and more sustainable work. 
and I'm seeing that there would be a lot of work to basically clear the dots, like on security level, like for example, uh, Cloudflare is doing a lot around security because uh, before uh, people were, yeah, we have, we have our office, it's our firewall, everything here is secure, and then somebody join, comes to our conference room, connects to the internet and steals all our data. <laughs> mm -hmm. So there will be a lot of, I think there will be a lot of work around securing these interactions. There will be a lot of decentralizations and a lot of documentation around what to do. Like uh, Andreas has a great quote, which is, when you have a remote company, you need 10x the process of the same company size. But this is to a point where you get to this inflection point where this process actually makes you a lot more productive. And at some point, having this as a very stable process system, if you are on the office, you need a lot more and more at some point. And there is like an inflection point to that. Uh, the, I think there will be a lot of work around accounting and basically uh, payroll because actually that's really hard. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, we're that's dealing with like, different tax laws in different, different tax countries. Tax laws, um, vacations in a lot of places, maternity leaves, a lot around, okay, insurance and benefits. Like a lot of things are really hard. Like, it's really hard for me to get a laptop to India to my teammates. <laughs> like basically mm -hmm. what we do is they buy the laptop and they send us invoice. Like it's crazy. Like, uh, uh, so there is, I think there, there would be a lot of work around that, but I think overall this would increase a lot of the productivity. Like I, I'm, I'm a very big proponent of remote work. And also I think a lot of people have to learn the difference between working remote, working from home, uh, digital nomad and like they're all connected but they're all different things like working from home is yeah i work from home but is this remote Rem right. like remote is I, the, the whole umbrella term but I, I go to an office i prefer to go to an office because i want to have work-life balance inspiration digital nomad is something else like we had a team member who was a digital nomad which again a remote enables it but this style is totally different because you actually don't have a home <laughs> so you don't work from home so i think the I next think, couple of years they will be basically clearing of all those terms i think an interesting way to look at that is like water like you can have water that's a gas and a water that's liquid and the water that's like ice you know and it's it's all kind of the same thing but it's different versions of the same thing you know yeah exactly exactly yeah that that's a really good metaphor for that and i think people will just have to educate and in this mm -hmm. trend actually show it's possible a couple of companies says yeah this was worked great for us some companies said this worked terrible for us mm -hmm. we as a company like even us we are remote like we are remote from day one like uh, uh but we actually saw some problems because uh, spouses and kids were working on and studying from right. home and this changes your routine like uh, people just it's hard for people to change in a lot of ways also there is problem with socialization i think there would be a lot of push around okay 
how do we socialize? And also there is the other one problem with remote, which it's really hard to solve. Like the way we solve it is meeting in person every three, six months. But is how do we brainstorm remotely? What's the process around that? Because like talking with me and you remote, we have this great discussion right now, but we are one-on-one. If we had a third right. person, it gets, okay, it can still work, but you cannot do a brainstorming of more than three, four people, which mm-hmm. technically speaking, I haven't seen very, very good brainstorming sessions with 10 people. Usually two, three people are the best for brainstorming anyways, but how do you spread this? Like for me, like one of the things I'm trying to figure out is how do like the two problems I try to solve because we cannot meet each other is how do you do brainstorms and how do you have this, uh, we are not just working on the same product. We work together as a team. Like basically mm-hmm. the whole team stuff. Like I know how to make the team culture. Like I wrote a very good post about remote onboarding. This was amazing with us. But how do you make this sense of, uh, okay, I trust this person. Because if you only see a vision of the user like you and me on Zoom and you only see me chatting, you actually don't know, you, you don't know my voice the same way. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I don't know, it's the same for you. But when I when I haven't seen somebody in person, I I and, and I have had Zoom calls. I don't associate their voice when they type, like when yeah. I see messages in Slack. But for people who actually I know, in I have seen them in person, I kind of read their thing with their tone, and this is very like basically background brain working. And this well, it's the same thing with video. You know, it's like when I hate doing interviews when it's just audio because I can't see you. I can't like there's a uh, there's a way of connecting that's almost missing when it's just audio. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like that's uh, that's really important. That's the reason I always do like my remote interviews with cameras. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing which I'm trying to experiment more, to be honest, and uh, is uh, and, and this is really problem with the video. I really like walking. And I have experimented yeah. <laughs> when I have meetings, I just put my headphones and just walk and, but you don't see the video there. But mm-hmm. if you know the person very well, you can do that. Like if you know the person very well, or if it's like a sales or it's something very, you don't care. Like it's a bit more like technical thingy. You can do it. So just yeah. trying to do like, okay, I have my headphones. Internet is great. Just talk on the phone. I think it's really, you know, I think you highlighted a lot of, upcoming problems and i think that's what's so exciting about the space is there's so much like for me problems are opportunity that there's so many things that i think the trend is going in this direction we just saw all these companies that have to work remotely and we basically got a glimpse like you said of what work is going to be like in five ten years but there's so many problems that need solving and that is so exciting because there's so many new companies that are going to be formed that make that come up with solutions for those problems and and that's what i'm super excited for yeah exactly and i'm really excited about that like i really want somebody somebody to solve my accounting problems yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean right. i mentioned this but uh, it's, it's uh, but yeah it's it's an opportunity like this opportunity because even if those problems are not solved this is not going away people are doing it mm-hmm. people are doing workarounds like with every product you see how the people are people are solving the same problems over and over again you just need to provide them something that's better like mm. people were basically taking notes before i have bear let's say people right. are using other things but for me that works or so for you rome works like 
basically you want to evolve and solve more problems and you see how people basically use products like it's funny when i i really like to see talk with other people how they use tools like for example how people use slack and it's very funny how what how many workarounds people have like having a slack channel for daily stand-ups without stand-ups and stuff like that. everybody has mm. something like that and right. all those workarounds are either opportunities and there are also opportunities to learn and teach other people how you do stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well, Rado, I really enjoyed talking to you. Uh, thank you so much for coming by. Uh, let people know if anybody's interested in kind of, you know, learning more about you, or I know that you have a website with a blog. Where can they find out more about you? Uh, so the, 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 the two most places they can find most about me is my personal website, rstankov.com or my twitter which is rstankov basically it's that's my handle everywhere like github uh twitter my blog my personal website that's basically how you can find me there i'm trying to post more stuff from our internal documentation uh so because a lot of people were asking me around that like a lot of people are right now had the problem with onboarding so i wrote how we onboard because we onboard remotely and for a lot of people oh how do you do that? Because they are used to person stuff. So I'm trying to push more of our knowledge the last, basically this is one of my goals for this year. Yeah, we're going to have all the links, uh, you know, in the show notes and on the website. So definitely check that out. Rado, thank you so much for coming by. Uh, I really appreciate it. And next time I'm in Sofia, I'll let you know. Oh yeah, just ping me. Well, I would get you to puzzle to see the co-working. <laughs> That's right.